Warning, the following broadcast is not intended to be a substitute for legal advice or firearm safety, competence, or proficiency training. This broadcast is solely for entertainment, discussion, and informational purposes. Side effects may include a sudden undeniable urge to exercise your Second Amendment rights, and you may in fact turn into a gun nut. You've been warned. Welcome to Locked, Loaded, and Legal. I am your host, Attorney Mike Jeremita, with your host... Jose Morales with Philly Firearms Academy. Today we've got a great topic. We're going to talk about navigating the mean streets of America, protecting yourself and others outside of your home. This is an incredibly important topic if you've made the decision to carry for protection. Isn't that true, Jose? Absolutely. Even if you haven't made the decision to uh, to carry, it's still really, really important because chances are, if we're going to get assaulted, it might be inside our homes or outside our homes. And it's important to have plans in place in both contingencies. Now, Jose, have you had students who are fairly new to firearms and they haven't made that decision to carry? Maybe they're eligible to carry. They have a license to carry firearms, but they haven't quite made that decision to carry everywhere they can legally carry. Oh, I would probably say that the bulk of uh, individuals with licenses to carry, um, carry whenever they quote unquote think they needed. Hey, I was one of those people. I was I was guilty of that same mindset. So how long did it take you to get comfortable with carrying or make that decision to carry everywhere you could? That's a really good question. Well, here in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, the licenses to carry are issued in five-year increments. So using that as a benchmark, my first five years, I got my gun permit because, to be honest with you, I didn't really know a lot about firearms and the laws and such. And one of my wife's uh, relatives, my wife's cousin, was into guns, and he said, hey, you want to get a license to carry? I said, yeah, sure, I don't know if I really need it. They go, you know what, I transport that gun a lot. Um, Urban legend says that if you have a license to carry, you're covered legally. So I decided about about 20 years ago to actually get a license to carry the first time around. And I went ahead and got it, and and, but didn't carry for the first five years. Then I renewed every five years. I renewed for, for term number two, and about two years into my first term or second term carrying, I had two back-to-back scares. And I'm not sure if I told you about this, but I had two back-to-back scares, and I don't believe in coincidences. So something, some higher power said to me, you know what, um, you really need to decide either um, to carry all the time or don't carry at all. Literally, I reached for the gun, and I didn't have it, and I said, you know what, I'm going to need to make a decision, and what I call commitment to carry because you know i've never had a car accident i expect i'm not going to have a gunfight that i expect so i feel i need to be prepared and it took a lot of introspection and literally a lifestyle shift sure and that is one of the worst feelings in the world for those of us who do carry and have taken the steps to do so it's to be in a situation where you could potentially need that firearm and not to have it i'll never forget the day jose Uh, You actually play some role in this story, believe it or not. I believe I've told it to you. But I was up in New Jersey to attend my goddaughter's christening. And last minute, the night I get up to New Jersey, I get a call that we have a seminar at Philly Firearms Academy and the attorney who was supposed to cover the event couldn't make it. So I had to drive into Philly Firearms Academy in Philadelphia, uh, your, your place that was over on Spring Garden prior to this new place. And... I didn't have a firearm because I was out in New Jersey, had to leave the firearms locked up at home. 
I got down here, everything went perfectly fine, no incidents. And on the way back, I remember sitting in traffic down in Center City, and the lights are green, but nobody's going anywhere. Hmm. I hear a noise, I look over to the left, and there's a man who looks like he's out of his mind, hands on the hood of a car, screaming at the top of his lungs, and nobody's moving. He walks in front of the car that's in front of me, and he reaches into his hooded sweatshirt with both hands as if he's retrieving firearms. Hmm. He comes on out. He doesn't have any guns, uh, but he starts shooting air pistols at anybody who's sitting there, myself included, all the cars who are sitting there. Now, the moment that he went into that jacket, I reached down, get prepared, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. I'm not, not going to take anything out, but get prepared. And guess what? Nothing was there. <laughs> is that the worst feeling? It one is, of the, worst, the worst feelings, feelings in the world? world? Particularly if I was in a situation where I needed to protect my wife or mm. somebody in my family, I feel like that would be the, the worst situation in the world. Now, we talked a little bit about those who have a license to carry but haven't made that commitment to carry. First of all, I want to say I do encourage everybody to get a license to carry if you're eligible. Absolutely. Even if you decide not to carry, don't want to carry, don't, even, don't worry about that. You have an option to carry. And what's nice, it covers you again legally because we, you know, we've talked about situations where um, people have been in vehicles sure. and there have been firearms there as well. And we'll cover that a little bit later. But, you know, get a license to carry if your state offers it. It's a great investment. Sure. And it just gives you uh, more opportunities to transport those firearms, even if you don't plan on carrying on a regular basis. It's not an obligation to carry when you have that license. So we encourage people to go ahead and do so. Uh, but what are some of the considerations that you'll take into account when people do make that decision? Because I know that uh, when you're talking about carrying a firearm, some folks who are from out of state, I always go back to the people I speak with in New York and New Jersey, and they'll ask me, you carry everywhere you can legally carry? Why do you do that? Why, why have you made that decision? What are you scared of? Well, I'm not scared of anything, but the fact of the matter is, to carry is such a minor inconvenience to me, right? We don't even notice it anymore once you've been oh, carrying for quite a long unless time. Unless you don't have it on you, right. no. Well, yeah, when you don't have it. When I'm going to Jersey, I find myself noticing Vulnerable, two or three times, yeah. right? Uh, but it's, it's such a minor inconvenience for uh, potentially being in a situation where it could save your life, that it's, it's worth that minor inconvenience to me. That's why I've made that personal decision. My family needs me to make it home to them. And if I'm with my family, I need to protect my loved ones. So that's why I've made that decision. And let's face it, if we're going to carry when we think we might need it, well, that makes no sense because if you could predict to any degree of certainty when you were going to need a firearm, you wouldn't put yourself in that position in the first place, hopefully. Isn't right, that absolutely, true? absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And you'd be able to kind of figure out who's going to win uh, upcoming football games, what the lottery numbers are. So, you know, it'd be a great kind of, uh, you know, ability to have, but you're not psychic, you know. So I tell people, you know what, if you run into a, a criminal that's going to say to you, you know what, Mike, I'm going to pistol whip you tomorrow between <laughs> 3 and 3.30, so you better have your gun on you. You know what I say to him? Send them to me. I want right, him or her. Right. I want him or her uh, assaulting me because, you know, that's, you know, a heads up. But absolutely, it's commitment to carry is really important. And we, as as hosts of this broadcast, we want to teach you guys, our listeners, um, we want you to learn from our mistakes. We don't want you to go through the same situations we went through and learn the hard lessons that we've learned because, you know, like we say on our show, you don't have to learn the hard way. So I had those two back-to-back -back scares. 
just like you had, Mike. I reached down and wished I had the gun. I had nothing but my wallet. Mm-hmm. You know, that I, and I said to myself, never again will I let myself be put in this position where I do not have an option to protect myself. It's just not going to happen. And I sat down. I reflected. I, um, I disconnected. And I thought to myself, okay, first and foremost, am I able to use the gun if I absolutely positively needed to? And I said to myself, I answered, if I have no choice, yes, I have no issues using the gun if I had absolutely no choice. So I decided, hey, that's that's checkbox number one. And then checkbox number two was, okay, am I going to be able to deal with the inconvenience of carrying everywhere I go? And I said that to myself because I was never going to be able to predict. So I needed to have the ability everywhere I went. And that required a lifestyle shift and uh, pretty much a responsibility to actually educate myself. Because again, that's the other part that we people you know realize is it's intimidating to carry a gun. It's intimidating to carry a gun with a round in a chamber. I don't care how uh, you know how macho quote unquote you are. It is not something that comes naturally to us because we're not sociopaths, right? So we have a responsibility to educate ourselves to the point where we feel comfortable with that and uh, and it's okay if you know if you feel like you don't um, aren't comfortable carrying a loaded gun but want to that's okay you know train first and then that comfort will come so during our next segment we'll talk a little bit more about this hi jose morales here mike and i want to take a minute to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to us If you find the broadcast interesting or informative, please tell others about us and consider showing your support either by becoming a patron on Patreon or through a donation on PayPal via the links at LockedLoadedAndLegal.com. Thanks again and stay safe. And we're back with Locked, Loaded, and Legal. Just a reminder to visit us at LockedLoadedAndLegal.com. You can find our contact information as well as our social media platforms. Remember, we're here for you, the listeners. So, Jose, when we left, we were talking about getting comfortable carrying. And certainly, there are several things you need to take into account if you're going to make that decision to carry. For example, if you're a Pennsylvanian and you've made that decision to carry, you know that you can't go to New Jersey in the middle of the day. That's not an option for you. Or maybe you've got to dress a particular way. So, Jose, what are some of the things people need to take into account regarding options while carrying? Well, uh, first and foremost, I tell people if you're considering carrying a concealed weapon, uh, a firearm of any sort, and want to have the option to protect yourself, training is really, really, really important. I'm a little biased because I'm a firearms instructor, um, and I think everyone should have some training. But I've really noticed in my own personal um, carrying life that I have felt a lot more competent carrying after years of training, after years of actually making that commitment to to practice what I preach and to practice these skills. So uh, finding a qualified instructor and taking a safety course and a course on how to properly and safely handle that gun because, again, it's intimidating, the concept of carrying a loaded firearm to most people, unless you're a sociopath, and you really don't think about that. But most law-abiding citizens, we're generally afraid um, or intimidated by carrying a loaded gun. So taking a safety course will teach us the skills we need to feel comfortable carrying a loaded firearm. And that's one of the key things, feeling comfortable with this tool. So one of the things I hear pretty often is that folks might feel comfortable carrying, but don't feel comfortable carrying with a round in the chamber. 
Do you hear this? I hear this all the time, sure. And personally, I experienced that myself. You did. Absolutely. So would you recommend folks carrying with one in the chamber if they're comfortable? <laughs> well, you know, again, it all for it all boils back to the individual's comfort level. I tell individuals, if you don't feel comfortable carrying with a round in the chamber, by all means, do not carry with a round in the chamber. Um, but then the goal would be to feel comfortable enough with that tool to be able to handle that tool properly. So it really, it all goes back to education and comfort. Um, people tell me, hey, Jose, I'm not going to carry with a round in the chamber. I just shake my head and say, listen, the goal is going to be to get you comfortable with that gun to the point where you realize that you're not going to have an accident unless you make yourself have an accident. It's like saying to me, Jose, right? I'm not going to put gas in my car because I'm afraid to have a car accident. I'm going to say, no, you Momo, no. <laughs> Learn how to drive, right? Momo, that's a real New York word. That's Italian it. for dummy. Yeah, <laughs> give me a Momo. That's what Anthony, my mentor, called me for years. He, Momo, come here. Momo, I think, what, that explains what? it. Well, I asked him, I said, Anthony, what does Momo mean? Does it mean son? Does it mean, you know, is it a prodigy? He goes, no, it means dummy. Come here. I was like, oh, what are you going to tell Anthony? What do you tell your mentor? Yes, sir. Okay. So, absolutely. I say, no, Momo, learn how to handle that gun properly, and then you'll be much better off deciding whether or not you want to carry with a round in the chamber or not. And incidentally enough, I always laugh when an individual says to me, well, Jose, I'm afraid the camera goes around in the chamber, and I go, but 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 you have a revolver, which they're all loaded. Mm -hmm. It's around in every pretty much chamber, unless you, you know, you take one out. And but that's that's a different topic, right? So, what are some of the advantages that people need to keep in mind about carrying with around in the chamber? That you're ready. That you're ready for, you know, for anything. It's like, uh, you know, having a fire extinguisher that you have to charge before you need to use. I mean, again, it all goes back to your level of competency and comfort under stress. We never rise to the occasion. It's an illusion. We mm -hmm. always revert back to the lowest level of competency we've mastered through either correct or incorrect practice or repetition. If you're a musician, you know that, right? Sure. You don't go ahead and automatically start playing that solo like a champ. <laughs> you revert back to, do I know my major and minor scales? So if, you, if the foundation isn't there, you're going to drop back to whatever you've done the most. And if you haven't really practiced correctly, right? You know, practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. Right? Sure. So, you know, again, it's it starts with uh, the commitment to educate yourself and to have an option to protect yourself, and then you have to continue practicing and training. And really, that's just the bottom line. Right. It comes down to the fundamentals of safety skills at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So one of the things that I always think about when it comes to making that decision to carry is knowing places where you can and cannot carry. This is something that people often ask me about, and it's something that people often misunderstand. Now, people need to understand that every state has different locations where firearms are prohibited, regardless of whether you have a license to carry firearms. And then you've got additional prohibitions under federal law that you need to keep in mind. So these are situations where people, although you're licensed to carry in general, would not be able to carry their firearm on certain premises. You've also got to know whether your state affords private businesses the force of law. Do those no-gun signs uh, create a potential criminal liability uh, if you enter those premises in your state? So these are all things that you need to take into account. And, you know, this could be a discussion that we have in detail during another episode. I don't know that today is necessarily the time. 
but be sure to know the laws of your jurisdiction regarding locations where you can and can't carry. Absolutely. And you know, and have an option to be able to secure your firearm. This is really important in the event that you find yourself carrying and you find yourself in a in an area where you may not be able to carry your gun. I remember, you know, distinctly I got a call at about eleven o'clock at night, a dear friend um was arrested. Because he was assaulted. Well, he wasn't arrested. He was assaulted and was at the police station. He, his wife called me in tears. Can you come down to that? I said, of course, absolutely. I can go. And so I went ahead and being the conscientious carrier that I am, you know, I've got my wallet. I got my keys. I strapped my gun on. I went to the police station. I pulled into the parking lot. And I go, oh, wait a second. I have a loaded gun and I'm going into a police station. And that very day um, I had a, con- I had a, a, a class and I used my gun safe, my car gun safe, as a, as a hands-on, as an example, right? Mm. So I didn't have my gun safe in my car. I had it in my classroom. And I had a choice. I said, ooh, do I take this gun and put it in my trunk? If it gets stolen, mm, it's, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to have a, I'm be in a whole world of pain. Or do I make the decision to bring this loaded gun into a police station? You right. know, well, Pennsylvania's correctional facilities, detention facilities, think anywhere they'd house inmates. That's the prohibition that, that well, you might be dealing with over there. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Well, I found out really was kind of interesting. And when I went inside, I said to the guys, "Hey, listen, I'm a licensed concealed carrier. I have, uh, you know, I have my gun with me. Is there a process to check this gun in?" And the sergeant wasn't really sure. He's like, yeah, that's a good question. I've never been asked this. Hmm. He asked the lieutenant. And the lieutenant said, yeah, absolutely. Just make sure he clears the gun and you can secure the gun and you'll give it back to him when he's done. He just cannot reload the gun here when he's done. He has to reload it outside. Mm-hmm. So there I go realizing, hey, they did have a mechanism in place for me as a card-carrying good guy to secure my gun. I just wouldn't have thought that. You know, Generally, we think, okay, let me secure this gun into the trunk. So I had to make the best decision possible based on the information I had, and I wasn't about to get my gun stolen from my car, and I found out that, hey, I could secure it in a police station. Sure. Courthouses are similar in Pennsylvania. Uh, the court facilities will be off limits for firearms, but by law, they're supposed to have a place for you to secure your firearm on the way in. So before you go through those metal detectors, you'd simply say, I'm licensed to carry and I need to check my firearm, and they'll have a procedure for something like that. Well, they should have a procedure, right? You would think so. I mean, at certain cities are more amenable to gun owners than others, you know, I'm sure. Right. By uh, law, the Court of Common Pleas has to have that. Uh, really? Many of the magistrates, although they're supposed to don't have these locked boxes, they don't have these uh, mechanisms to secure your firearm. Uh, don't forget that when you're going into the, the magistrate, by the way, because they don't have metal detectors either. Right. So you can easily forget about the prohibition on court facilities. Uh, you know, what else in Pennsylvania? You've got that school grounds prohibition that was recently litigated in the context of somebody had a knife for work purposes and he was on school grounds for a meeting. And the court found that he had a lawful purpose. Uh, the court gave a very broad interpretation for lawful purpose. We haven't seen it litigated in the context of somebody carrying a firearm for defense purposes, although we think that we got some good language from that previous case in Pennsylvania. And post offices, I think, are one of the tricky ones, trickier ones here in Pennsylvania. Well, post offices. Post offices is another federal prohibition. So not only the building, but including the parking lot, if it's under the sole control of the post office. I mm-hmm. say sole control because they don't have to own it. And it but it's also got to be the sole control. So if you go to one in a shopping center where they've got grocery store, dry cleaners, dollar store, and post office, that, po- that parking lot will not be off limits. Now, practically speaking, when I lived in the Harrisburg area, the only post office in the area had its own parking lot. So we had to make specific plans when going to the post office. So know the law, huh? Know the law. That's that's good advice. More on that when we come back.
And we're back with Locked, Loaded, and Legal. Before we left, we were discussing places where you can legally carry and places that are off limits. Uh, that's something that you've really got to take into account if you've made that decision to carry. And it's something you need to know the laws of your state and your local jurisdiction. This list that we've provided today and these places that we've brought up are not meant to be exhaustive, so it's important for you to know and understand the laws of your local jurisdiction. Knowing the laws is so incredibly important, So, especially if you're going to protect yourself, your family, and others. You have to know the laws. You know, you can't walk around with a gun and not know them. I mean, you know, and you'd be surprised how many people have no idea about the laws. People end up becoming accidental criminals. They don't intend to harm anybody. They don't intend to break the law, but the fact of the matter is ignorance of the law is no excuse. So, Jose, if you're going to have to go to one of these locations or perhaps leave the state like we spoke about. Is it important to have different options or alternatives perhaps? Well, I tell people only if you want to be able to protect yourself. <laughs> if you want to be able to protect yourself, then you should have an option. You know, if uh, again, if all you walk around with is a gun, the only option is to use the gun, right? So I tell people, and again, this is for our listeners. Some of you may be listening and maybe saying, hey, I don't want to carry a gun. You guys are crazy gun nuts. Why in the <laughs> world would I want to carry? Then don't. It's okay. But we want you to have an option to protect yourself. So that, you know, that entails you really thinking about, okay, if I were going to be assaulted in my vehicle, what are my options? Refer to what's legal in your state. Uh, in Pennsylvania, defensive spray is legal. So pepper spray is really, really important. I have in my vehicle, on the uh, side map pocket, Velcroed, um, a pepper spray, defensive spray. Mm -hmm. I have it Velcroed in the map in the, in the side little pocket because I may not be able to get to my keys in time. And you know what? Uh, since I love my wife, it's in her car too, Velcroed in there. I made sure that it's there because she has an option uh, to protect herself if, if she needs to. And it's come in handy in a couple of uh, you know situations she's been in and near accidents. Sure. And in New Jersey, like we had mentioned in a previous episode, they actually do have limits as to the amount of defensive spray you Absolutely. can have. You gotta know the law. Gotta know the right? law. Gotta so, know the law. So in Jersey, I believe it's three quarters of an ounce or 0.75 ounces, I believe. But you know what? This does not constitute legal advice. See, Mike is cringing. She's like, don't say <laughs> it. Don't say <laughs> it. So, guys, if you live in Jersey, refer to the Jersey laws. But, you know, I know in Pennsylvania there isn't a limit. You're gonna have a 55 gallon drum of defensive spray, you know. Now, one thing we're talking about different places that might be off limits. Parking lots of those places may be off limits as well, so keep that in mind. Now, that leads me to our next topic of discussion, carrying a firearm in your vehicle, right? Because this is something that I think people often under-train under and under-prepare for. So, Jose, what are some of the tactical and practical considerations you need to consider when you're carrying in a vehicle? Well, you know, it's not rocket science. Seriously, think about, okay, access to the gun. If I needed to get access to the gun, how in the world, where would I store the gun so that I can get access to the gun? Now, I tell people only criminals and idiots put their guns in their glove compartments, center consoles, or under their seats, right? I've seen this over and over again. Mm. Concealed carry means it's going to be on you and within easy reach, right? Technically, it should be on you. So I like chest carry or um, I like, you know, uh, under the shoulder carry and a shoulder holster, cross draw holster because you can, I like putting my gun right in my top left pocket, you know, shirt of uh, jacket pocket so that I can access the gun. Question is, can you access the gun easily? That's key. Second is, have you practiced navigating that gun around your vehicle without pointing it at your thighs um, and pointing it at somebody else? A car is really difficult to manipulate a gun in because it's a closed confined space so it's really easy to point the gun at yourself by accident or a passenger by accident or sweep an innocent bystander before you get to the um to the threat so practice is important too 
You know, you don't have to have the gun out. I don't mean to cut you off. You don't have to have the gun out. You can sit in your car and imagine a scenario where you see somebody coming in and, you know, use the finger gun, right? Mm. And, and pull the gun out and, and look at the... the um, Look at the direction the muzzle is pointing. Focus on that and see how many times you accidentally point it somewhere else. Again, it, it does take some training. It's just not pulling a gun out and waving it in the general direction because that's going to be a recipe to end up calling you, Mike, for your legal <laughs> services. Right? Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned the finger gun because I'd imagine that the inability to train under these circumstances is a problem because it's not like every range you go to has a car sitting there where you can practice these sorts of things. Right, right, right. right. And you don't have to go ahead and spend $400 on a tactical class, you know, that may or may not be within your price range or your skill set to, to practice these simple skills. You can, you know, you can role play. You can do this inside of your, you know, your garage, you know, use, use a, a, a water gun, an airsoft gun or something, but just nice and slow from your draw and, and really pay attention to where that muzzle is pointed from the moment you access the gun to the moment you put it on the threat. It's real important. Very interesting what you said about on-body carry as well. I know that I've done seminars with retired Pennsylvania State Trooper uh, Corporal Scott Henninger. He also teaches at the, great. the Whittington Center, and he always is a very, very strong proponent for carrying on body in your vehicle on body yeah i'm a big fan of on body i don't like uh you know carrying in a off body in a purse a man purse sure. I, I don't do have a man purse I'm, I'm, I'm a, i am masculine enough to say i have a man purse or a satchel hey do what you gotta do say hey you know what carries yeah. my gun yeah so one other thing i wanted to mention and i might be particularly biased here but i'm left-handed and you don't hear too much about well, so uh, how many to carry geniuses, a vehicle. Right? So well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that. But uh, one thing you, you, you don't hear a whole lot is different tactics for uh, folks who are left-handed inside the vehicle. What are some of the things you need to consider? Practice. Well, practice accessing the gun and being able to bring that gun from your area of storage to the threat in the safest manner possible. That's why a lot of instructors don't let students into their classes um, for their dynamic shooting classes that have shoulder holsters or cross-draw holsters mm -hmm. or small-of-the-back holsters or ankle holsters. It's because these holsters are in modes of non-traditional carry lend themselves to you accidentally sweeping everybody in route to um, your, you know, pointing a gun at the threat unless you're properly trained. So I tell people, practice, mm -hmm. practice, practice. Now, one thing you also need to take into consideration are the laws of self-defense while you're in your vehicle. Here in Pennsylvania particularly, uh, we've got a whole lot of things that come into play when you're protecting yourself in your vehicle. One of the things you'll have to your advantage is the Castle Doctrine. So certain provisions of the Castle Doctrine will apply in an occupied vehicle. For example, if someone is unlawfully and forcefully entering your occupied vehicle, or if they already have unlawfully and forcefully entered your occupied vehicle, or if they're unlawfully and forcefully removing you from your occupied vehicle, the law will presume that you had a reasonable belief that deadly force was necessary to prevent death, serious bodily injury, kidnapping, or rape. So, Mike, that sounds a whole lot like a carjacking, right? Well, carjacking type situation or a road rage scenario, right? Road rage. I always think of that case from New York a few years back where uh, his family's driving down the highway and out of nowhere this group of knuckleheads on their bikes surround him, block him in on the side of the road, and one of these guys gets off his bike, he takes off his helmet, and remember what he started to do? 
started to smash through that front window. So we would argue in Pennsylvania that in that situation, the dad and the family would have that presumption that they had that reasonable belief. Now, obviously, there are caveats dealing with the Castle Doctrine and these presumptions, so we don't have enough time to talk about every single one of them today. And one of the things you need to know is that a presumption can be overcome. So the case is not closed, it's not set in stone, and if there's an overwhelming amount of evidence to show that you did not have that reasonable belief, the presumption will be overcome. We spoke about this in the context of protecting yourself inside your home during a previous episode, and one of the things that people need to understand on a very practical level is I deal with cases all the time. Regularly, I deal with cases where folks are driving, there's some kind of road rage incident, or there's some kind of carjacking type situation, and uh, usually it's in the context of road rage, as a matter of fact, where somebody will get into a fight for one reason or another, and when somebody approaches their vehicle, a bad guy approaches their vehicle, they'll take out their firearm in anticipation of self-defense. Not usually, necessarily point it. You know, usually because they're in quote-unquote fear for their lives. It's interesting you say this, Mike, right. because as an instructor, I've had multiple individuals, many individuals had to come to me to get their, you know, basic pistol certifications or other training, and they're mandated by the law in order to get their license to carry back because they were in situations just like that. They were in quote-unquote fear for their lives. They've had to pull their guns, and they were found um, lacking in the law's eyes. Right, so what happened? happens in these situations often, at least from my perspective, is that, uh, you know, victim of road rage takes out their firearm in preparation for self-defense if necessary. And what happens is the person who was ambushing them, right? The person who had the road rage sees the gun, they take off, they call the police and they say, you know, I went over to see if this guy was okay and he shoved a gun in my face and he threatened to kill me and now it's word against word and you've got to explain all this stuff. So this is a problem that we see very frequently. Now one of the things that I tell my students and I just wanted to kind of leapfrog and mention this really quickly is you have to have options and plans in place. We talked about that in previous episodes. Um, I'm a big fan of the pocket holster. Mm. I'm a big fan of the revolver in a pocket holster. Mike and I have had this conversation before. So in a situation similar to that, if I'm in my vehicle, I can very easily have my hand in my pocket, close to my pocket, my revolver um, that's in a pocket holster, but it's not in view. It's not seen. And so, but again, you have to have a plan in place prior to that situation. Don't learn the hard way, guys. I think that would be a fantastic option. And many of these folks, if they had known about these options and taken those steps to prepare the proper way, they wouldn't end up in these situations where they've got to defend themselves in court. So one of the other things that people need to do is not pull over and engage in these fights with people during road rage situations. Don't be giving people Don't the finger. Don't fuel the fire. Right. Don't be giving people the finger. And trust me, I'm from Brooklyn. My wife's from Jersey. There's a whole <laughs> lot of giving the finger out there. But as a gun owner, it's just not worth it. Because sometimes what even happens is somebody gives somebody the finger, right? And the per the other person, the recipient of the finger, of the finger right? Yes. will call the cops and say, well, let's say you got an NRA bumper sticker or something like that. They call the police and they say, oh, well, this guy just pointed a gun at me. They have no idea whether you have a gun or not. Right. They just know you got an NRA bumper sticker or so chances you know, are, suck yeah, my Glock bumper sticker, <laughs> something like that. And they call and the police show up. And when they find you, guess what? You got a firearm. Now you've got a whole lot of explaining to do. And that, and you've seen that in your legal practice? I've seen it, absolutely. I've seen it in my, in my educational practice. I've seen individuals in the same situation. I say over and over again, guys, are all of us card-carrying good guys? 
we're going to be held to a higher standard, okay? So with that in mind, we have to be a little bit above those little petty reactions. Let this stuff roll off your skin. It really is mm. just a, a physical gesture that, that is just, you know, conveyed in frustration. It really isn't a personal attack because, God forbid, we pull that gun out. Our life will absolutely positively never be the same again. And we don't, you know, we don't want to do that unless we absolutely positively have to. And trust me, being a teenager in Brooklyn, you know, uh, you get a little aggressive, hostile, things of that nature. Since becoming a gun owner and having that responsibility, I am a hundred times more likely if someone curses me out on the road to say, you know what, you're right. I am a jerk. You're absolutely correct. Because it's not worth it. It's not worth the getting in these situations. And you know what, guys? I, I'm just going to mention this, too, because the other day I actually was going into Staples. It was rainy. And I was going into Staples. I had to pick something up. Um, that was when last week, last week's episode, pick up my headphones, right? Uh -huh. So I went to Staples, and um, I went ahead and made a turn. Um, as there was a car approaching. I made a left turn, and I went in front of him. But I did. I realized mid-turn that he was going kind of fast. I didn't judge the speed properly because it had been snowing. Long story short, I went ahead, pulled in, parked, and went into stables. Older gentleman. So I noticed out of the corner of my eye, because I'm aware, he went ahead and he uh, he was actually coming up to me f pretty quickly, you mm -hmm. know. So I, you know, I noticed. I said, okay, is this guy's gonna have a word uh, or exchange some kind of kind of comments. So what I did was I slowed down. I accessed my pepper spray in my right pocket. I pulled it. I had it there. I turned around and looked him in the eyes and said, "Good morning." Mm -hmm. And he goes, "Thank you for cutting me off." You know what I said? I said. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. It was totally my fault. I apologize. And he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> what are you going to say to somebody who apologizes, right. right? You don't apologize to me. Hey, you know, but if I would have given him the New York response there, uh, you know. Oh, the that could have escalated quickly. The, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, I find myself in court uh, spending money that I don't really need to. I'm held to a higher standard. Guys, t t ladies and gentlemen, please. Let it just go. And you'd be surprised what usually nice and wonderful people are be become other like people when they're under road rage. My wife is one of them. She's the sweetest thing in the world, but rudeness drives her crazy, and she becomes this other person. So, again, just let it slide. Higher standard, let it slide off your back. And if you're in a situation where you're in danger, where you're, you're the victim of road rage or something of that nature— don't pull over, like we said. If you know of a local police station, that might be a, pl a great place to drive, right? Absolutely. Drive directly to that police station. And when you arrive, police are on the scene. You know, I've been the victim of a crime. Uh, very basic information. Obviously, you don't want to be talking your way into a charge for yourself. And if you need counsel present, that's what we're here for. Absolutely. I mean, again, guys, have these plans in place. If I'm somewhere and someone starts banging on the hood of my car, what am I going to do? Right. You have to have these plans in place prior to needing them. Lock your doors, raise your windows, put the car in reverse, leave the scene as safely and quickly as possible. Proceed to the closest police station. If you don't know it, Siri knows 911. Right. Mm, mm. Call 911. Your phone has a GPS and so is your car. So you're already tracked. You know exactly where you're going to be. And you can prove this in a court of law, I'm assuming. Right. Um, but we're not going to go there. Right. No legal advice. <laughs> Give me the stank guy. Give me the, don't issue legal advice. This is not considered legal advice. People. But again, have a plan in place prior to needing it. Sure. You know? now, this is one memory that I have being very, very young in Brooklyn. My mother and I. How young? Were Mike, in the how young? Uh, probably five years old. Something of that. Five year old Some, Somewhere along those years so I remember being at a red light and this guy who looked like the Unabomber 
jumped on the hood of the car and started smashing the windshield saying, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. Huh. Must have had the wrong car. Maybe my mom looked like somebody that he knew. Or maybe maybe was he was high. Who, Who knows? knows? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but I remember my mom leaned on the horn and started driving. The guy got spooked and jumped off and uh, that ended ended up being the end of that. So the horn actually is what initially spooked the guy. Interesting. Away, so. Uh, so, some, sometimes something like that, uh, the element of surprise will help you in those situations as well. Absolutely. Again, it's just, it's please, guys, have a plan in place prior to needing it. That's so important because you're not going to have your wits about you in a situation like this and try to plan as best as possible. Can't plan for everything, but for the most common scenarios, try to plan and be a, and be a student of history. If you see situations that, um, that, you know, that could have been avoided through proper planning, you know, learn how to identify those as well. Yeah, and unfortunately, in that situation, my mother was not armed because we were in New York where, you know, there's no such thing as a law-abiding gun owner because of their restrictive laws, yeah, as but we a, know. an Italian mom. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, maybe she had one I didn't know about. I don't Wanna know. Piss her I'll off ask there. her sometime. Dig a little deeper. But, you know, Italians, if I asked her, she'd say, I don't know nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. Yeah, I hear you, brother. She's not going to answer. So we talked a lot about uh, firearms out in public. Uh, carrying, making it a lifestyle, carrying in your vehicle. And these are all considerations you need to take into account if you're going to take on that lifestyle. If you want an option to protect yourself outside of your home, absolutely. It's not just buying the gun, getting a holster, and starting to, and some defensive ammo, hopefully, and start, starting to carry around the streets of your... No, a lot of planning goes into it and should absolutely go into it. So, guys, again, it's a cerebral process as much as a physical one. Just, just learn from other people's mistakes. Like you often say, it's a decision that takes some forethought. So if you're going to make that decision, and we encourage you to do so, if you're comfortable, right... Um, exercise your rights within the bounds of the law and do so safely. Listen, people give lots of thought for a tattoo, right? But give less thought to strapping on a gun and carrying it. You know, learn from other people's mistakes. You don't have to learn the hard way. That's our motto. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal. I'm Jose Morales. And Mike Jeremy. Take care, folks. See you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal, brought to you by Philly Firearms Radio. For more information and to show your support, visit LockedLoadedAndLegal.com.